What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Equalizer Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kasuf, and I'm joined this week by Jason Anderson, and we have a champion to talk about Portland Thorns versus Kansas City Current in the NWSL Championship. Portland prevails 2-0, and Jason Anderson, ProSoccerWire.com, is with us, and he was there throughout the weekend. Jason, thanks for joining me. No problem. Good to be on. Yeah, happy to have you. I am. Uh, if you're listening to us, we've been we've been at this all season. Uh, I know Claire, Jason has been on, you know, quite a bit. Claire has been hosting, um, and I've been on here and there. Um, I am plus one baby since we last spoke on this podcast, so I, I missed the championship myself. But um, Jason will give us some insight into what it looked like on the ground, and then obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably watched the game and uh, know what happened and and uh, we're going to talk about the game and the seasons that were for Portland and Kansas City and put a little bow on uh, a very exciting very interesting um very very many things we'll get into I guess Jason uh, season mm-hmm. in the NWSL so uh Portland 2 Kansas City nil it's a third title for the Thorns um Jason I, I feel like on the day there's really no arguing the result um h- how do you feel about what maybe that speaks to, how do you feel about what the result says about the seasons for each of these teams? Do you think it's a, it's a just ending to uh, these seasons and I guess specifically Portland season? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, especially that last bit. Yes. Um, Portland, I think, uh, I think overall had the, I know that the table usually reflects the best team and, and I'm sure rain fans will not enjoy hearing this, but I, I personally think that because of the amount of rotation that uh, Rianne Wilkinson worked in throughout her season, um, I think Portland were capable of the highest highs in the league. Um, they were the most consistent. Um, the rain got ahead of them with that amazing run at the end. Um, but I, but I think Portland at the, at the end of the day, I do think Portland were the best team in the league this season. Um, and I think the final reflected that they had a very tricky opponent that, loves to drag you into their kind of game uh their very frenetic sort of uh, style of play and portland just they bottled that up uh in a way that even the teams that have beaten kansas city don't often control kansas city they just sort of get the rub of the green on um the the bounces and the sort of the chaos that that comes about in their style portland made this game very non-chaotic um it was very orderly they used the ball um they before the game on Thursday uh, at media day, the, every player I spoke to talked about how they want to make sure they're, they're using the ball to control the way this game goes. And they, they did that. Uh, they, the goals both took an element of luck, of course, but there are plenty of times where Portland would say like, well, yes, but also look at the chances we created. Um, they, they really from front to back dominated this game. It was, it was a really impressive way to sign off on a year. Yeah, comprehensive from Portland. I, I mean, you know, full respect to Kansas City. I, it wasn't their best day, mm-hmm. as you said. I mean, a thirteen-game unbeaten streak throughout the season. I've maybe beaten this horse too many times about it, but you know, very fine margins throughout that. Obviously, you know, a zero-goal difference to end the season, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I think takes nothing away from them. But you know, had you, you juxtapose that with Portland scoring the most goals in the season, you know, putting together some results of, of five, six nil uh, at times, at least earlier in the season. And, you know, this was, you know, this kind of always had to go one way for Kansas city and, and maybe it had to go that way of, um, 
you know, that it did in the semifinal in Seattle, but um, it did not, uh, it did not one, but, but also I think replicating those performances can be difficult of, of um, I don't want to necessarily say sitting in, but mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of limiting those chances, especially against the Portland, as you mentioned. And um, you know, look, I, I mean, it was not the most exciting final, unfortunately, in terms of gameplay. Um, it, you know, zero shots on goal for Kansas City, I think, um, is maybe, you know, a good question to to hit on here. Like, I thought, wh- where do you, what do you credit to that? I, I mean, CC Kaiser, Kristen Hamilton, uh, that, that sort of leading the line there for Kansas City has been productive throughout the season. Low LeBont, obviously, very good right underneath them. Um, but, you know, they, they didn't get much of anything there. They didn't get much from their wingbacks. Um, mm-hmm. Is that... Is that Portland really shutting things down? Was that an off day for Kansas City combination, do you think? Uh, it is definitely a combination. Um, I think Kansas City, they had some trouble with their first touch in this game that's not characteristic for them. I think there were some nerves, um, to, to be fair to them. Um, I don't think we, we saw the best of Kansas City. I think it was just a little too much excitement, uh, perhaps. Um but also, I don't want to take anything from Portland because they really, um, from a an understanding where Kansas City was going next, it seemed like they always knew. Um, and even when Kansas City generated some of the matchups uh, that they wanted, they they got isolated against um, Natalia Quica quite a bit and just couldn't beat her. Um, so even when they did generate something that was promising, something that could have led to something else, um, Portland shut it down. Um, so when they had to just be organized and not let any, any danger pop up, there was long stretch, long stretches of that for Portland. And then when Kansas city managed to make something happen anyway, Portland recovered and dealt with the problem as well. So, uh, Bella Bixby didn't have a save to make in the game. Um, I think at halftime, uh, I think I saw one data provider saying no shots on goal or not no shot attempts. And then another saying that there was one um, either way at first, it, there's an early goal in this game with the game state being one, nothing Portland with Kansas city being such an aggressive direct team, you would expect uh Bixby to have had some work. And instead there were long spells where she, she probably got a nice, uh, a, you know, a nice moment to sort of take the crowd in and all that. Um, which is just, it just underlines how, like you said, comprehensive, uh, this was, it was really, um, a masterclass in thinking through a game and making sure it's on your terms. And, uh, it just, it never opened up Portland. Once they got the first goal, once, um, you know, Elizabeth, Elizabeth balls had such a good season. Um, but she slips in that moment. And once Sophia Smith put that one away, Portland just never, never gave Kansas city a way back in. I think there was, there was one chance that they created uh, the current through a uh, quickly taken free kick um, that Lola Bonta was smart enough to bounce up off the ground and get the ball rolling again. And that was the only moment where Portland was maybe a split second behind uh, for the rest of the game. It was really just um, fully plugged in, fully engaged, not too excited, just the right level of, um, focus and and energy being put in. They're not burning their legs out. I think um, Wilkinson mentioned that after the game that she noticed that in the last half hour that uh, Kansas City had kind of run themselves out of gas a little bit, trying to fight their way back into it. So 
just a, a really mature and composed performance from really everyone Portland put on the field. Yeah, nine shots is the official tally for Kansas City in this game, zero on goal, like we said. I looked at that. I was even looking at the end of the game trying to write some copy, and, and I could not even go back in my mind and really think of nine. I mean, certainly they were not like anything legitimately threatening because right. Bixby didn't have to make a save, but you know, I'm trying to even – I guess I need to rewatch the game to even think about where those nine shots were and, and how really – how really legitimate they they seemed. I mean, I can think of and didn't even result in a shot. I mean, there was the moment in the first half where Kristen Hamilton kind of, I don't know if she flops, but she's looking for a foul in the box, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that was kind of one of the the few times that Kansas City gets forward. But um, and then even as you just said, I mean, I, I remember on the broadcast and and you know we had maybe different vantage points in in that sense of um, about twenty minutes in, Portland gets in behind again. As you said, they're up one nil, and we'll get to that real quick here, but. Um, you know, Haley Mace is tasked with tracking an overlap. I think it was from Quika. Mm-hmm. And um, she, Allie Wagner says, I mean, this is the first half and, and she looks gassed. I mean, she was, and, and this is not to single her out, but just the, the point being made on the broadcast was that Kansas City as a whole looked tired. And, and obviously they played an extra game in this. Um, I think you could maybe say that they don't quite have, I think you could very well say they don't have the depth that Portland has. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you mentioned, so fourth minute, Sophia Smith, who I should say, since the last time we recorded, this is news that um, MVP of the league, which, you know, obviously um, I think the U.S. national team fans could be happy about the front line that I I think the three, you know, big, big people we're talking about in this award, Alex Morgan, Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith, um, you know, we heard a little bit in the past couple weeks from Rianne Wilkinson in particular that she thought Smith was overlooked in that conversation. 14 mm-hmm. goals on the season was one off Morgan's golden boot. Um, Smith scores four minutes in, as you mentioned, Elizabeth ball, you know, really no, no way around it. A misplay. It, it was not well handled from her. Very good season. Doesn't take away from that, but um, you know, really had positioning. I think probably is, is, I don't want to say a simple clear, but should have been dealt with. And, and Sophia Smith's in behind rounds 80 French and uh, it's one nil. And then, and then we get the shrug, the iconic mm-hmm. shrug celebration, um, which he says afterward was, you know, I, I guess essentially what we, we kind of assumed it was in the moment of a, she said uh, that was that, um, mm-hmm. which was her kind of take on, on not being, uh, she said she heard the noise about not deserving MVP, which I'm not sure, you know, maybe, Maybe I'm guilty of not speaking about her enough. I mean, I don't think she's undeserving of it. I, I you know, voted a different way is, is um, you know, with being honest. But, um, you know, I don't think there was a bad answer here for me between those three I just mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, early goal changes the game. Um, and I thought Smith, you know, beyond the goal, Jason, was was really gave Kansas City some trouble in this, as did Morgan Weaver and, and mm-hmm. Yasmin Ryan on each side. What did you make of of that front three versus that back three, which, you know, talk to me tactically here too, because that back three had to change pretty drastically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like it would have been more appropriate for Smith, the the performance that she put in, it would have been more appropriate if that chance where she dribbled uh, into the box and managed to work her way out of multiple jams and then uh, sent a curler that uh, beat 80 French, but went just wide. I think that would have been a more appropriate goal to sum up her play on the night rather than capitalizing on a mistake. Um, she, they, they didn't have an answer for her. Um, and I think 
I think they were caught a little off guard uh, by the formation change that Wilkinson brought in with um, Christine Sinclair playing. Um, I, I thought it was a four-two-three-one, but Wilkinson really said that she saw it as a actual front two. Um, and I think from there, Kansas City, especially on their right side, Portland's left, it just it seemed like they couldn't quite figure out how to get to the right spot at the right time. They were a little behind over and over. Um, eventually, Matt Potter, there was a stoppage for CC Kaiser had uh, a minor injury. She was getting some treatment. Um, they used that stoppage to pull uh, Kate Del Fava back and say, like, you know, don't think of yourself as a wing back anymore. Be a right back um, because we need to get through to halftime. Uh, this could get out of this could get out of reach if we don't do something right now. Um, it did help. Um, it took away some of the space. I, I got to speak to Sophia Smith on Thursday and she mentioned she didn't want to give away her secrets, but she said, I, I'll just say that um, I'm excited to face a back three. I think there's going to be more space for me than I normally would get. Um, turns out she knows her stuff. Um, she she was getting space <laughs> all the time. Um, and, and yeah, P- Portland really by it was interesting because they were able to give her more freedom uh, Smith by sort of being a little more regimented elsewhere in their formation and, and um, not having that freedom distributed with their central midfielders. Uh, Wilkinson said after the game that it was really difficult to leave Hina Sugita out um, given what a tremendous season she's had. Um, But when Portland plays her and Rodriguez and Sam Coffey all in one midfield, you have to have some freedom with those two, um, as Wilkinson called them, eight slash tens. Um, and by playing a more structured setup, it really gave Smith the room to roam. And then you have that midfield base behind her that allows for her to just kind of find the game, uh, find the spaces uh, that she needs to find. And uh, it absolutely panned out. Um, it's When I saw that lineup, I was actually walking into the stadium because I was running a little later than I had planned. And I saw that lineup and I was like, is Sugita hurt? Is there, is there something to do with that? Um, but according to Wilkinson, it was a pure tactical choice and it really, it really worked. Um, Kansas city, you know, they made an adjustment from the semifinal as well with um, playing Labonta high rather than playing with Desi Scott deeper than the rest of the midfield. Um, and I, I think I understand why they wanted to do that, but Portland ultimately, I think their shift caught Kansas City off guard a little more than Kansas City shift uh, affected Portland. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the big tactical decision of the the final. It was Christine Sinclair in, Hina Sugita out. And obviously in the semifinal, that was Christine Sinclair on the bench, Yasmin Ryan starting with, with Hina Sugita also, also in that lineup. So, um, you know, I think, and, and we can go bigger picture. We'll go bigger picture in, in segment two here. But, um, you know, Rian Wilkinson, had to pull a lot of strings in in this season, in this postseason specifically. I think she got it right each time, and she got it right in this final. I did find it interesting you mentioned because at one point in that post game, Wilkinson mentioned she really wanted, unless unless I'm misremembering this with some baby brain here, that she mm-hmm. wanted a a true six eight ten. And then right mm-hmm. after that, she mentioned the two front or, or seeing it really as a two front. So. Um, those things kind of conflicted in my mind a little bit. I, I mm-hmm. think maybe this is where we get lost in sort of numbers of formations rather than right and systems. But um, you know, either way, um, obviously Yasmin Ryan and Morgan Weaver were tasked with 
pushing high and wide on those wings and and you know maybe the the numerical makeup of that was um is what it is or was what it was but um you know i, I thought the sinclair call was um a big one in the semifinal and then you know I guess an equally big one in the final, at least for, for dropping Hina Sugita, which I think Wilkinson kind of gave herself a little bit of credit, a little bit of credit for post game as well that, you know, just mentioning like, look, that was not a, you know, no small decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, I thought, I thought Portland was, was spectacular on the day. Um, you know, course of the season, as you said, I mean, rain fans will, will argue the rain were a bit streaky. I think you can argue most teams in this league were, but, you know, I think consistency wise you had, Kansas city getting it done very narrowly in that 13 game unbeaten streak. That's, that's a, a league high for the season. Mm-hmm. And then um, San Diego spending half the season atop the table, I think uh, to some degree injuries hit at the wrong time for them. And, and, you know, obviously those players came back for the semi and, and well in the playoffs, but um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything to, you know, end of season here, Portland winning the championship doesn't feel wrong. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I would say, um, so rounding up the awards here, Sophia Smith, MVP, Naomi Gurma wins the double defender of the year and rookie of the year. Kaylin Sheridan of San Diego wave FC is the goalkeeper of the year. And then San Diego wave FC coach Casey Stoney is the 2022 NWSL coach of the year of all those things. Mm. I really had very little to argue with. I have nothing to argue with really. I have no problem with, Mm-hmm. the individual awards the best 11 maybe you know some tweaks but um you know compared to like a few years ago that is progress <laughs> at the very least <laughs> yeah yeah it's a big relief to not have a i mean in 2019 i'm sure mm-hmm. um fans were just as mystified as media and just as mystified as uh players about how that one turned out the way it did but uh yeah this one i was like you know there are things i disagree with but right there's nothing where I'm like, I can't think of a strong argument for this. Um, right. Everything was easy, pretty easily justifiable. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, awards, best 11s. I mean, I saw some of the reaction from different fan bases. I, I think Kansas City fans were probably upset that at, at how some of them went, considering they were in the final. The votes for these things are about regular season. They are pre, you know, before they voted on beforehand. But, you know, I think award season is cool because, you know, it, it, they say sports unite us and, and mm-hmm. award season unites everybody in being mad about something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I thought that they were, were pretty on point, which is a big, a big difference from a few years back, as you said. Um, so Sophia Smith, fourth minute goal, Addison Merrick with the own goal in the 56th minute. Um, and that was, you know, again, Smith in that, in that mix causing some trouble. Yasmin Ryan on that right side, causing some trouble. I thought Rocky Rodriguez in the middle of the park, very good and and was involved in in each of those in the build up. Um, this was not the most lopsided final that we've ever seen. That was definitely 2019 when mm-hmm. North Carolina just made Chicago look like they had absolutely no business being anywhere. Um, but you know, two nil doesn't sound like it. But I think anybody watching this, we can say this result really never felt in doubt. Um, just just the way that this game played out. So. Um, Jason, I want to. We'll go to break and and um, we'll talk a little bit bigger picture on the seasons. But just to kind of put a bow on the, the game and maybe tactically speaking, just specific to the game, um, we've talked about some different tactical moves, some formations, some players. Um, you know, what ultimately for you stood out, or, or is the, the the enduring memory of of why this game went the way it did, of of what the big move, what the big thing in this game specifically was for you. Um, I, I think it really comes down to uh, defensive organization. Um, 
Portland's ability to just always anticipate and always um, it, it almost felt like they weren't even anticipating. They were just naturally where they needed to be. Um, there were points in this game where Becky Sauerbrunn, it was, I was wondering, I was like, has she even had to run um, uh, faster than a slow jog? And it's not because she was taking plays off. It was because she was just always ahead of everybody else mentally and always able to get to the right spot. Um, Sam Coffey and Rocky Rodriguez did a tremendous job gumming up central midfield. Matt Potter actually said um, in his post game that that was something they, they wanted to be able to play through the middle. Um, they thought that they would be able to, and, and I, I think it took them, they started finding that a little bit, but it really took them sacrificing the width that they get from Hamilton and Kaiser who don't, they don't play like an old school uh, forward pairing. They often go a little wider um, to sort of add that element of uh, danger, they had to come inside and get really narrow, which in turn turned Kansas City's entire formation became very narrow. Um, and it took that much of an overload and and that much of a, I think Matt Potter actually said, you know, in soccer, you have to, to get things, you're going to have to give something away tactically. Um, and, and losing that width, it did maybe help them in the second half get a little more of a foothold, but it's never like they got, into the game fully it was more like they slowed portland down for a spell um and then you know the second goal happens a little bit of a strange bounce um at the end of that that carries the ball over the line um that really kind of it kind of shut the game down um kansas city was still trying their best but um i think they knew at that point that it wasn't going to happen it was one of those games where they were going to squeak a goal to force extra time um and it was just because of how organized and how thoughtful Portland were all over the field. Every, every player um, with and without the ball just um, really brought their a game. I, I mentioned Quika earlier. I thought she was tremendous. Um, uh, really. You, I could, I could name the entire team. Sugita came in and played really, really well. She affected the game. Um, Crystal Dunn of course comes in and, and um, you know, th- things don't fall off. There's no like, it it wasn't like a celebratory phase where she's just in there to get some applause and that's it. They kept going exactly in the way they had been. They never, they never really let Kansas city get into the game at all. And that's, that's really impressive because I've seen Kansas city in person when they've come out to play the spirit. And the first thing that struck me was just how difficult it is to contain this group. Um, and, and Portland pulled it off. Well, and did indeed pull it off. Third title for the Thorns. We'll come back after the break and and quickly talk about the the big picture for the Thorns and and where it leaves Kansas City. So thanks for joining us. Stick with us. Uh, We'll be right back on the Equalizer podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Equalizer Podcast. Jeff Kasouf joined by Jason Anderson, prosoccerwire.com. Check out his work and Jason DC Soccer at Jason DC Soccer on Twitter. And of course, go ahead to equalizersoccer.com. Subscribe. You get all of our premium content throughout the year, a bunch of different deals. You can get half off for your entire year subscription. And then please go ahead, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts, give us the five stars, help us to be more discoverable, my favorite word, uh, to other people looking for podcasts like this. It helps us in the wonderful algorithms. A um, couple news dump 
news items here uh, just to round up before we get back into the final, which is our main point here. Um, we had the awards, as I mentioned from last week and uh, nothing much to argue about on those. And then we do have U S games coming up. If you can believe it, uh, maybe things slow down a little bit after this, but there's a men's world cup too. Um, we've got U S Germany coming up a pair of games uh, in the next week, week plus, and a lot of injuries we have, I would say the news of the day from the roster, AD French is back in. Uh, she replaces uh, Aubrey Kingsbury in the goalkeeper pool. So um, a lot of fans calling for that. Obviously a timely thing as we talk about Kansas City here and, and really what French did in that semifinal and has done throughout the season. Uh, that's really the big item of note in terms of roster changes right now. A lot of injury updates um, that, that Vlako Nanovsky provided and and they are numerous. So I will try to be very quick. Just Abby Dahlkemper is going to have surgery, having a tough time, three consecutive injuries. She's dealt with them all year. Tierna Davidson, Emily Sonnet, Kelly O'Hara, Lynn Williams expected to be in consideration for a January camp. Those things can always ebb and flow, but um, sounds promising for all of them. Uh, Casey Kruger did some training with the Red Stars. Uh, seems like she'll be back in camp in January or get some kind of a, a look. Kat Macario, a little bit longer out, a little bit farther out. She's back on a treadmill in Qatar with where she is going through PT. Um, unclear what you know Julie Ertz is doing. She's she's enjoying her baby as she should right now, and, and that, that was about the update it sounded like. Um, Sam Mewis still remains somewhat mysterious, unfortunately. Going to take a little bit longer is, is kind of the message. Um, and we, we don't have a lot of information beyond her knee and, and that is really obviously dragged on. And I know that's been, she's expressed that's frustrating. Tobin Heath recovering. Kristen Press had a slight setback in rehab um, and is looking at maybe February or so on a timeline too. So a lot there on the injury front and uh, we have time to to get back into the U S and, and we'll see what goes on with USA Germany in the near future here. But um, Jason, let, let's just put a bow on, on, Portland and Kansas City here. Um, we talked about the game itself. Portland season, um, for me, I guess I'll go first, lead us off. Tell me what you think. Um, Rianne Wilkinson, I thought, and I've said this, you know, I, I know that um, it's it's almost been a struggle this year for a lot of us in terms of, you know, specific coaching praise. And, and it's just been, you know, there's, there's been a lot going on. And, and I think, I do think though, both of these coaches um, did quite quite a very good job in, in getting their teams to this final in, in different capacities. Um, Rianne Wilkinson, I mean, I said earlier, I think she's pulled a lot of strings. She's got all of them, right. Whether it was benching Sinclair, then benching Sagita in the playoffs, looking farther back and, and coming into a team that I think anybody could come into and say, cool, just continue everything you're doing. And mm. she introduces a three, five, two, then halfway through the season, when you could argue nothing was wrong anyway, she says, this is not, working or this is not going to do it for us long-term. And she goes into a four, three, three. Um, I thought she got everything right. Um, you know, maybe, maybe should have had even for myself, a better shout for, for coach of the year. As, as Sophia Smith said, it was BS that she was not in that. Sophia Smith was, uh, did not censor herself uh, <laughs> on the word there, but um, you know, really, really well done from her. I thought, I, I thought that this was, you know, in many ways, a continuation of that Mark Parsons team, but with, Rianne Wilkinson's sort of stamp on it and obviously the talent level, you know, through the roof um, in, in many ways. So Portland, um, we talked a little bit about the final. We talked about getting here. What did, you know, you talked to Jason about um, thinking that, th that this was a good indication of the full picture of the season. Um, you know, we always try to look forward, I guess. So I think 
there, you know, there's some free agency questions and whatnot, but this is largely a team that's not going anywhere. Right. It is. It sure doesn't feel like it. Um, if anything, the selection uh, issues that Wilkinson had to deal with in the playoffs, it, it feels like they'll continue. Um, you know, obviously with uh, Christine Sinclair, you have to imagine there will be more games where she doesn't start uh, as time goes on um, because a, it's a luxury they have. If they were a less talented roster, that wouldn't be the case. But um, when your choice on the championship is Sinclair or Sugita, you know, you can you can really toggle between looks and toggle between tactics uh, from a game to game basis. Um, there's a lot of depth there. There are a lot of players on that team that didn't see a lot of time that probably would play more elsewhere. I'm thinking of just off the top of my head of like Marissa Everett would probably be playing more um with a different club um you know Yasmin Ryan played several different positions it felt like during the year and the playoffs she was out on the right she tucked into the middle um at times when they were playing out of a diamond um there's so much that they can do and Wilkinson alluded to the fact that she'd thrown a lot at them this year um with the formation changes with the um differences in tactics that come with those shifts um, and, and that she felt like they really responded to it extremely well because she she mentioned that it is difficult to come into a successful environment with different ideas because you ha- the people have to accept that these changes are going to help them. Um, and she really credited the players for um, being willing to take those ideas on and not being like, well, why are why are we shifting anything? Everything is you know, we just have to be a tiny bit better at the thing we were doing. Um and the fact that they they took that on, that the players were so vocal in saying how well they think she did, um, I, I think that says a lot to that team's future. And also, as much as you know, I, I was just writing earlier today about the amount of experience, the championship experience they have on that team, but there's also a lot of players that started this game that aren't on the back end of their career. There are a lot of players who are in their mid-20s on this team, so... Um, it's kind of a, it, it looks like it could be a team that is not just good this year or next year, but, um, that has the pieces in place to really turn into, I mean, turn into is maybe the wrong phrase because Portland's been so good so often, but, um, to keep, to keep the expectations sky high as they've always been on that team, uh, on the field, at least, um, it looks like they're going to be a contender next year. I've got no reason to think otherwise. Yeah. And, and Crystal Dunn will be back, you know, presumably in, in, you know, her, her very good form and, you know, pushing for a lineup spot that you would expect, I think she'd be in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously international duty will, will wreak havoc on this league again, unfortunately next year, but um, you know, and then, you know, even, I think we've, I don't know if we've forgotten, but Lindsay, Aron, Lindsay Aran is out on loan, mm-hmm. you know, would be due to return after the world cup next year. You know, that's a, a late season reintegration um, and obviously has, has upon going on that loan re-signed for uh longer term too. So, you know, to your point um, you know, th- there's continuity there. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss or, or forget either that, you know, the context of Portland season, which, you know, in, in line with um, I think what players have requested and I think, you know, played out pretty well of, of this happening, but um, you know, Portland, played with i mean jason you you covered the spirit so closely you you know what that was like last year and and these are not exact situations but you know the the context of portland um winning this title uh under 
you know, Merritt Paulson didn't even make the trip because Mm -hmm. everything that we've talked about in the past, and I won't like fully rehash, but just everything that's gone on in Portland, the, the changes to uh, Mike Golub, Gavin Wilkinson being ousted, uh, Merritt Paulson stepping down as CEO, the ongoing investigation, joint investigation from the league and the PA and, and everybody seeming to be waiting on that to really make drastic decisions, but obviously still while the thorns are making this playoff run fans, deeply supporters calling for the ousting of Paulson as owner, um, a group even of fans taking the initiative to try to create fan a fan-owned team to a degree, which you know has its complications with U.S. soccer's licensing standards or pro standards. Uh, but but a lot going on here that players, you know, m- much like or in similar ways at least to the spirit last year, kind of carrying. There wasn't quite the um, Chicago did this with Arnhem Whistler this year, but there wasn't quite the same you know, as, as the spirit did last year with a, a full sort of player wide stance on, on wanting their owner to sell. But, um, you know, you have to imagine a lot going on behind the scenes. Becky Sauerbrunn did speak up in those first days after the Yates report and, and, uh, without naming Merritt Paulson did identify Portland executives. So, um, there, there was a heaviness to this that, uh, you know, the players obviously felt the fans felt, um, and and a good deal of traveling fans, obviously, which was good to see from Portland. But, um, you know, I don't want that to be lost on the occasion. I don't want to go too deeply into it either, because I think that, that, you know, we've kind of said our piece on, on things so far that we know, and there's more to come from the joint investigation. But, um, you know, I, I think it should be acknowledged that that is a piece of Portland's story this season. Um, Kansas city, Jason, the, the current, I would say, I said to you off air, they seemed oddly chipper afterward. At least mm. Matt Potter did, certainly. Um, you know, I said last week, and I think I might have even written like they were playing with house money here. I, mm. I mean, last place in 2021, they're in a final in 2022. Um, I think badly outplayed as we talked about in the final, but they seemed pretty darn happy to be there even after losing the way they did. And again, looking forward, I guess they, they seem pretty optimistic about where they're at. I don't know if the, the pathway on the field is quite as clear as Portland. Um, mm. Some of that optimism in Kansas city is about everything that's happening, which is a lot off the field with a stadium, a training facility, but um, you know, the current uh, one, I guess, did they exceed expectations and, and two, like where, where do they go from here? Is this the basis of something or is this a nice run? That's a one-off. I think they definitely exceeded expectations. Uh, if you told me that they got to the final and Lynn Williams and Sam Buis had amazing seasons, I would say, okay, I see it. Um, but the fact that those two players, I think, combined for like 80-something minutes on the entire season, including the Challenge Cup, um, and that was it. Um, so yeah, that that just underlines, I mean, Chloe Legarzo barely or maybe didn't play at all, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they made big moves that, were designed to take the rest of the squad up to another level, get some experience in their attack um, and their midfield. And those players weren't available and they still managed to pull this off. Um, I think they do have the makings of something here. Um, I, they will need to add depth. We, we talked about this earlier about how deep Portland is as compared to Kansas city Um, that showed in the final, they will need to fill out that group. I, I don't know what would have happened to Kansas city if, Haley Mace had been unavailable. Um, Izzy Rodriguez has done a nice job uh, filling in when they've had to move Mace elsewhere. But I think Mace kind of defines their style of play more than anyone else. Her ability to to sort of come in off the wing and not 
pop not be where you expect her to be um, has been a really crucial thing for them. Um, so I, I think they've got to fill out the depth chart so that they can withstand a busy a World Cup year, um, busy international year, that kind of thing. Um, and and obviously getting um, Williams, getting Mewis uh, incorporated is going to be big. But when they do, you know, a team that has Hamilton and Kaiser, uh, they were both very effective uh, as as a forward duo this year to add Williams to that. Um, Elise Bennett uh, gives them that different element that actually I think she also kind of maybe changed the game a little bit, uh, made things a little more made them able to go a little longer, be a little more direct playing to a target. Um, I I think they've got a lot of positives. I think they're well coached. And I think in speaking to the players in person uh, before this final, um, I think that they feel very strongly that there's something brewing. Um, Lola Bonta uh, was straight up telling Desiree Scott to not sign a free agency deal elsewhere, um, which is partially like, let me keep my friend on my same team, but also, um, I think those veterans do know that they could take this further. It doesn't have to be um, the games don't have to be as close. Like you mentioned earlier, they, a lot of their winning streak was, you know, games that were very close that they just happened to get the better end of. Um, I think they can advance that and become more reliably good next year. Uh, I think they've they've really set themselves up. It's a, it's a mostly young group. Um, they will. There are a couple older players that they do need to not replace yet, but have a solid backup in case, you know, someone needs a break. Someone needs, you know, to look at Portland, for example, Wilkinson rotated so much in part so that um, she was over the moon about the fact that they had everyone healthy for the final. Um, I don't think Kansas City has that luxury at this point. So that should be a big concern for them this coming year. But I, I think they've really set themselves up in terms of team culture and a tactical outlook that is replicable. Um, and they just need to now build on that. I, I think uh, I'm, I'm bullish on Kansas city in general, I think. Nice. Well, yeah. Free agency, as you mentioned in there looms uh, in the coming, the first free agency for the league, uh, which will be, will be interesting to watch this coming month as players maybe shuffle. We'll see. Um, let's, let's wrap it up here, Jason. Um, we had different perspectives this time. I've, I missed the final, unfortunately, um, which I haven't, only done a couple times in this league's history. Um, and I was, uh, a baby who came a little bit early on us. So, uh, I was on, I was watching on TV, but I, I know that, um, a lot going on in DC throughout the the weekend, the extended weekend, which has been, has not been something that we've had with the NWSL championship. It's been a goal for a while to make it an event, a destination. Mm. It frankly, hasn't been, it's fallen short a lot. It doesn't seem that that was the case this weekend. Um, what is your sort of, two minute synopsis, I guess, of, of the energy around the, the event and maybe what you saw from all of the extracurricular beyond the game, beyond what we saw on TV. Uh, it definitely felt like a bigger event. Um, I, I wasn't in uh, Louisville for 2021, but I was in North Carolina for 2019. Um, I, I think North Carolina, because the stadium is just sort of, it's a soccer park and that's it. It's kind of difficult to do an extended event in that, spot whereas in dc there was just so much going on that was you know i my i was telling you off mic that my uh feet and calves are still kind of killing me but um you could cover that ground you didn't it it wasn't a driving or uh final you didn't have to rent a car to to do all this stuff so um it did feel like a bigger event to me it felt 
more akin to an MLS Cup weekend, um, which uh, is a, is a very good sign for the league that it's becoming um, more of an event. Um, I know anecdotally, um, the Spirit Squadron uh, and Rose Room Collective had a uh, an event at a bar not too far from the stadium. Uh, I heard that that bar the next night was closed. Uh, I don't know if they sold all their alcohol, but um, maybe they did. It seemed like they might have because um, I stopped in there briefly and it was just um, it seemed like a bigger crowd, a more knowledgeable crowd than 2019. Um, and I think we're seeing, you know, 2019 after the World Cup, you saw people starting to get into the league a little more um, and it's really built from there. Um it does help that Portland has such a big fan base. They traveled in such big numbers. Um, there were plenty of Kansas city fans there as well. I don't want to give them uh, the, the, the short end of this. Um, it, it just seemed like a, a more comprehensive and collected event. It didn't feel so sort of isolated um, for lack of a better way. I, I don't live in DC. I had to drive in um, from the suburbs, but I was still able to really, connect the dots it wasn't just like well i'll go to this one thing and then i'll go to the game itself and then that'll be that um it seemed like a cohesive event from thursday through to saturday night um in a way that uh i hope the league can build on Uh, i think this was a good start for them for sure um i don't know i don't know if we are when we're going to find out where the next finals are but i would suspect they're going to shoot you know it, it kind of i would hope gets people to think of we need these events to be at a stadium that's in a downtown area that's connected to the host city so that um, people can do these, these other events. These are kind of the, the lifeblood of the thing as much as the game is, is supposed to be the centerpiece. It still does need to be for the league to turn these into events. They don't have enough events as a league for them to build that. It has to be something where it's not just come for the game and, go back to your hotel and that's the end of it. Um, and I think they succeeded at that in DC this weekend. Awesome. Last, to hear last weekend, I think. Yeah. Awesome to hear. We, I mean, we've come a long, long way since, I mean, I was at the 2013 final, the inaugural one in Rochester, New York. That was not mm-hmm. a predetermined site. That was extremely sparsely attended um, mm-hmm. for media. I mean, the, the crowd was okay, but it was not, it was just kind of thrown together. And, and um, the predetermined, final um, for those of you wondering i don't think it's going anywhere it was addressed by jessica berman nwso commissioner um, she mentioned something logistics staffing is is one basic thing which the impacts the league in numerous ways that i promise you uh we see in some ways in the media side that you maybe never see but is is uh it's there there's mm-hmm. definitely some things that need to be figured out on, on the staffing front. But, you know, as you said, Jason, I think um, there are some promising signs. I think Kansas City building that stadium has got to be circle that thing in pen for 2024. Uh, we'll see where we're at next year. But um, mm-hmm. exciting times to to be feeling like these are big deals now, which is is what we've hoped for for many years and, and have only started to recently see. So um Exciting stuff. Portland Thorns, your champions of 2022 NWSL champions. And um, congrats to to them. Uh, obviously, O Rain Shield winners uh, for the season. And uh, just look, a very competitive season. I mean, I think you were the one computing the possible six way ties, <laughs> even with two weeks to play, right? So, yeah, there, there was the, the seven way tie that seven kind of broke, way. <laughs> broke my brain for a few days. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, look, this was a heck of a season, the most competitive league in the world, I would say, easily um, in that sense. And, um, 
you know, congrats to the Thorns, congrats to Sophia Smith, MVP of the season, MVP of the championship game. And um appreciate you chatting about this as always, Jason. Um Jason DC Soccer on Twitter. Follow him. Check out prosoccerwire.usatoday.com for all of his work and all of the work that they're doing there. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Jeff Kasuf, and we'll be back with you soon.